Welcome back to The Wire Podcast. I am your host, Ryan McCrary. Today, I'm going to be discussing the NFL regular season awards and making my picks. I'm also going to be talking about uh, the NFL wildcard wild matchups because the NFL playoffs start tomorrow. we got a bunch of games this weekend, and I can't wait to discuss those. I'm also going to make my picks for those games. Uh, but before I get into all that, I want to talk about Devontae Smith winning the Heisman. I know I'm a bit late on this. Uh, this happened on Tuesday night, but Devontae Smith, uh, he's a wide receiver at Alabama, if you don't know who he is. Um, he won the Heisman Award this year, had a phenomenal season, became the third wide receiver to ever win the award, and he was absolutely incredible. He was the best player on the best team in the country this year, uh, and his stats were awesome this year. He had a 105 receptions for 1,641 yards and 20 touchdowns. That's absolutely remarkable. Um, I don't know if that's all regular season. I don't think it is. Um, but still, those are pretty impressive numbers. And those are pretty close to Jamar Chase's numbers from uh, last year when he was a sophomore. So that's impressive. Um, historically great. Uh, great season from Devontae Smith, and, you know, I'm proud of him, I'm really happy for him, he's a a great receiver, seems like a great person, Um, and I can't wait to watch him play in the NFL, all right, let's get into my my picks for the NFL regular season awards, Um, and these awards include MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, um, Offensive Rookie of the Year, both, both, um, both awards for the best players on both sides of the ball, Um, and then, we got Coach of the Year, Rookie of the Year, Comeback Player of the Year. So let's get into this. Starting with the MVP, um, there's a few players that are that are um, are in this discussion. We got Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Deshaun Watson should be in the conversation, uh, but he won't be because his team's record um, is really really bad. I would go with Aaron Rodgers personally. Um, Aaron Rodgers has been absolutely phenomenal this year um here are his stats 70.7 percent completion percentage 4,299 yards 48 touchdowns five interceptions a quarterback rating of 121.5 and 84.4 qbr that is incredible um and then his per 35 attempt stats are 336 adjusted yards uh, 3.19 touchdowns and .33 interceptions. Now, if you want to know what adjusted yards are, um, that's basically a stat that it adjusts for touchdowns and interceptions. So, uh, quarterbacks get more credit when they throw more touchdowns and more credit when they throw less interceptions. So, it's just an adjusted stat for that. I really like it. Um, so yeah, those are his per 35 attempt stats. If you don't know what those are, uh, I have a podcast where I discussed that stat that I, um, that I discussed in a podcast format and also in an article on my website at thewiresports.com. So you you can go check that out and see what per 35 attempt stats are. Um, but that's just a fun, like he's had a phenomenal year. He's been dominant. I mean, 48 touchdowns and five interceptions. That's incredible. Um, but he's been playing really, really well. The last couple of years, he's been playing not bad, 
uh, but just hasn't been at that Aaron Rodgers level or the the level that we expect him to play at. And this year he came out and he was the best quarterback. Um, and I don't know if it's really a discussion, honestly. I mean, he he has been so good this year. Um, he's playing at an elite level, making throws on the run. The arm strength is there. He's just been so, so good this season. And there's a reason why the Packers have a have a record of 13-3. and It's because Aaron Rodgers has been playing at an elite level, and he's been the best player in the NFL this season. Um, another reason why I think he deserves the award is because he has a PFF grade of 94.5. That is uh, tied with another guy that I'm going to discuss later in the podcast. Don't want to spoil it, um, but he ha- he is tied for the lead uh, with the highest PFF grade uh, for the 2020-2021 NFL season. That's incredibly impressive. Um, and I've, I've tweeted about why I think Aaron Rodgers should be uh, the MVP award winner. I think... When you just look at the film and then the stats, the stats are just unreal. I mean, it's unbelievable, um, the level of production that he put up this year. Uh, but I think both combined, combined, um, combined with his team record and the amount of success the Packers have had this year make him the MVP. Um, I just think he's been the best performing quarterback in the league, the best performing player, um, and I think he deserves to win the award this year. All right, now my Offensive Player of the Year, there are a lot of players that can, that you can make an argument should win this award. I think you can argue that Derrick Henry should win it, Devontae Adams. Maybe you want to go with another with a quarterback. You can go Josh Allen or heck, maybe even Patrick Mahomes. I think you could also uh, argue that Dalvin or Dalvin Cook should be in the conversation. Maybe even Stephon Diggs. But for me, I think the Offensive Player of the Year this year has been Travis Kelsey, tied in for the Kansas City Chiefs. Travis Kelsey has been absolutely fantastic, and I I understand why people will vote for Devontae Adams or Derrick Henry. I think though I think there's like five or six players that have an argument to win this award. I think there are three legitimate contenders. That's Travis Kelsey, Devontae Adams, and Derrick Henry. Now, Devontae Adams and Derrick Henry had phenomenal years, but the reason why I picked Travis Kelsey is because um, I think he has be- been so much better than everyone else at his position, um, and I think that matters. I think he's been, um, I don't know what I'm tra- how, how I can explain it. I think he's um, deviated uh, away from average more than the other players at, his, at, at other positions. And it's hard to compare tight ends, receivers, and running backs. It's really hard to compare them. Um, and st- statistically, you just can't really do it because the positions require... There, there's just... Players are asked to do do different things in each position. So statistically, it's not really possible to compare them. So I would just say, you know, whoever was better than everyone else in their position, deserves to win the award. So that's why I went with uh, Travis Kelsey. I think the only other player that came close to him in in terms of uh, tight ends was like Darren Waller. And, and Kelsey was much better than Darren Waller this season. Uh, you can, George Kittle was uh, was close statistically, but he only played eight games. So I wouldn't... Uh, I don't think he deserves to win the award or I don't think he deserves to even be in the conversation. Just look at Kelsey's numbers. Here are his per-game stats for this season. Seven receptions, 94.4 yards, and .73 touchdowns. That's awesome. I mean, those numbers 
are great. And I can pull up his uh, total numbers real quick. Um, but those are really good per-game numbers for a tight end. And here are his total numbers if you're interested in seeing that. Um, he had 105 catches for 1,416 yards um, and 11 touchdowns. That's awesome. Um, so he just had a, an awesome year, and I think he was so much better than everyone at, at his position. And his dominance for the position was better than everyone else's. So I think he deserves uh, to win the award. And he had a, a his PFF grade was awesome, 93.5. Um, he had a receiving grade of 93.3. That was first among tight end. And he was he wasn't a great pass blocker this year, but he was really really good as a run blocker. He had a a run blocking grade of 79, which is third. Um, that's really, really good, and I think you can make, like I said earlier, I think you can make arguments for other players, but the dominance that Travis Kelsey showed for his position was just unbelievable and, and just still remarkable, so I, I think he deserves to win the award. Alright, now we got Defensive Player of the Year award. This might be a bit controversial, but I don't have Xavier Howard winning the award. And I don't have T.J. Watt winning the award. And I don't even have, like, Jair Alexander winning the award. I have the man himself, Aaron Donald, winning Defensive Player of the Year once again. Um, and the reason why is, and listen, I, I get that T.J. Watt and Xavier Howard have better production than Aaron Donald. I completely get that. And look, I believe those two players deserve consideration for the award. They have been unbelievable this year, but stats don't tell you the whole story. Stats sometimes lie to you, and stats would not tell you that Aaron Donald has been the best defensive player in the NFL this year, um, but he has been. He's been so good against the run, so good against the pass. Um, his pass, ru pass rushing grade from PFF was just unbelievable. Um, I can actually pull it up right here. Let's go to interior defenders. So Aaron Donald, he uh he was tied. He's the one that's tied with uh, with Aaron Rodgers for the highest uh, PFF grade this year at ninety four point five. Um, his run defense grade was ninety point four, and his grade as a pass rusher was ninety three point six. That's awesome. Um, he was actually solid in coverage. He had. Uh, actually, wait, I thought he, okay, so he has a, a coverage rate of 67.4, but this says he has zero snaps in coverage. Oh, well. Uh, but he was really, really dominant this year and just so good against the, as a pass rusher and as a run defender. Uh, Chris Jones is, has the second highest grade, uh, out of all the interior defenders. His, his grade and run defense is 65.6. I mean, that's much lower than Aaron Donald's. And, um, uh, J.J. Watt, or not, yeah, no, T.J. Watt, sorry, T.J. Watt, um, is actually not the highest graded, um, uh, edge rusher this year, that's actually Khalil Mack at 92.3, T.J. Watt is second at 91.6, and then we can go to corners, and we look at cornerbacks, um, Xavier Howard is at number one at his position, he has, his grade was 87.3, which is actually, uh, a bit low, I mean, it, it's second, it's not bad, um, but, you know, Aaron Donald's is 94.5, so, um, there's levels to this, and, and Jair Alexander is the highest graded corner at 90.5, um, he, he's had such a great year, and I just believe that Aaron Donald's impact beyond the stats makes him the best player, or the best defensive player, uh, in the NFL for this season, 
And the stats, his stats are still great. Like 13 and a half sacks, four, four, four forced fumbles, 14 tackles for loss, and 27 QB hits. Um, that's impressive. And uh, actually, hold up. Let me look because I need to see how many pressures he has. Um, he doesn't have nearly as many pressures as T.J. Watt because T.J. Watt has an incredible amount of pressures. Um, let's see. Let's see, let's see. He had 45 pressures this year. That's still really, really good. Like, is that pales in comparison to what he's had the last couple of years. Like, in 2018, he had 70. Um, and last year, he had 55. But 43 is very, very good. And, it, and that is actually tied for second with Chris Jones. Um, so, he had a great year. And if you want to just look at stats, uh, you can do that. I won't fault you for that. Uh, but I think you, if you get too caught up in the stats, uh, you'll miss uh, actual impact. And Aaron Donald's been the best, uh, the best defender in the NFL this season. All right, so offensive rookie of the year, pretty easy uh, selection in my opinion. I'm going with uh, Justin Jefferson from the Minnesota Vikings. He has just been absolutely fantastic this year. Uh, his 2020 stats are just incredible. Um, these are his per game numbers: 5.5 receptions. 87.5 receiving yards and in a catch rate of 70 point, uh, 70 point four, um, and he has a 112.7 passer rating when targeted, and his average depth of target is 11.4 yards. All of that is absolutely amazing. Um, he's been dominant even as even though he's just a rookie. This is his first year in the NFL, and he has the second highest PFF grade on the season at 90.4. That's behind only Devontae Adams. He's been a great route runner and a lethal deep threat. And his production is even more impressive when you consider the fact that he wasn't even a big part of the Minnesota Vikings offense until week three. And he still broke the rookie record for receiving yards. Um, and, and he's just been so, so, so good this year. Um, he's been the best receiver in this draft class so far. Um, such a good year for him. I think you can make an argument that Justin Herbert can be Offensive Rookie of the Year, but Justin Jefferson was truly one of the best at his position. He was a top-five receiver this year. Um, the stats back it up. The PFF grade backs it up. The fit, like He has just been so good this year, and he deserves to take this award home. All right, Defensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, we've had a lot of uh, good-performing rookies like... Um, you know, uh, Jalen Johnson, he played well for Chicago. Um, Jeremy Chen, he was really, really good. Um, Antoine Winfield, he played he played well. I'm going with Chase Young, uh, edge rusher for the Washington Redskins. He had a big year, 23 pressures, 7.5 sacks, 10 tackles for loss, 12 quarterback hits, and 4 forced fumbles. He had a PFF grade of 87.2. That is 6 out of all the edge rushers in the entire NFL for the season. That's great. Uh, he ranked, he actually ranked higher defending against the run than he did as a pass rusher, which is pretty surprising. And he also ranked very high in coverage with a, with a grade of 82.6 in that category. Um, he actually ranked lower again as a pass rusher and as a run defender than his teammate Montez Sweat, but he was so good in coverage that he was able, that his grade was higher than Montez Sweat's. Um, and 
that just shows how good he is as uh, in in coverage, and he actually showed that in college. I think that was one of his most under one of the most underrated parts of his game at Ohio State. Like he was very good at going back in zone coverage because he's such a good athlete, um, and he's a very he's very very smart in zone coverage. Um, but he played a huge role and was a big reason why the Redskins have one of the best defenses in the NFL. Um, and, and the numbers here, they don't lie. They match up with the film. Um, and he was just so dominant this year for a rookie. Um, and, and I believe he should be the defensive rookie of the year. Now, comeback player of the year. Uh, this is an easy selection as well. It's Al- it's Alex Smith of uh, the Washington football team. I actually think I said the the uh, the Washington R words earlier. Uh, I apologize. Alex Smith of the Washington football team. He his story is just absolutely amazing. Um, truly incredible what he's gone through the last year, two years. Uh, he suffered a terrible leg injury that almost cost him his life. At the minimum, nearly cu- nearly cost him his, his leg. And he didn't know if he was going to ever be able to, to walk again, much less play in an NFL game. And so he, he fought back, underwent um, over 10 surgeries. I mean, he, he went through a, a ton of surgeries, came back, played this year, started a lot of games for, for Washington. Now they're in the playoffs. Um... And he's playing pretty well, like as good as you can for for a guy coming off that gruesome of a leg injury. Um, he's playing quite well now. Is he? Is he? Has he been very good this year? No, but he hasn't been awful. I mean, like Carson Wentz, Sam Darnold, Dwayne Haskins have all been worse than him. And uh, when I did my my podcast about per thirty five stats or per 35 pass attempt stats, he actually ranked uh, 32nd So uh, out of 35 quarterbacks. So, you know, that's solid. Um, he's been playing playing decent this year, um, and just him even being able to come back is incredible, and, and just for that, I think he deserves the award. Uh, just the relentlessness, the fight he showed coming back to the football field, it's awesome. His story is great. He deserves to be the comeback player of the year. All right, coach of the year. No, I know a lot of people are gonna say that um, uh, Sean McDermott should win it, or Andy Reid, or uh, Brian uh, Flores, or maybe even Kevin Stefanski. I'm gonna go away from the consensus a bit. I believe that Ron Rivera should be the coach of the year, and I get that his team went seven and nine, but. I personally expected Washington to be really, really bad this year. I thought they were going to be awful. And in my division predictions, I predicted them to have at most two wins. At most, I saw them getting two wins. They have just performed, they have outperformed my expectations by a mile. They're seven and nine. Uh, they made the playoffs, they won their division. And, and I think it is just their record. I get that it's not great, but I think it's extremely impressive considering that they've had so much inconsistency at, at the quarterback position. I mean, they played Dwayne Haskins, Kyle Allen, Alex Smith. I mean, and none of those guys are great quarterbacks, but they still found a way to win seven games. They still found a way to win their division. Um, and I think Ron Rivera has done a great job coaching this team. Um, he, he's done a great job of adjusting with... Um, 
having to switch with playing one quarterback this week, having to play with another quarterback the next. And I think he's done a great job. He changed the culture there. Um, and, and and just them being, even being in the playoff conversation would have been impressive. The fact that they actually made the playoffs is incredible. And I would have been shocked prior to the season uh, if you would if you told me they were going to make the playoffs. So shout out to them. Shout out to Rob Rivera. He um he's my pick for coach of the year. Now those are my picks for the uh, regular season awards. Uh, don't hate them too bad, please, please. I mean, uh, I don't think they're perfect, but you know, uh, let's move on to my NFL playoff predictions. Let's talk about this. And I'm actually going to go to teamrankings.com and we're going to look at the numbers for all these matchups. We want to look at these games from a, uh, from just purely a statistical standpoint and just let's see what we can expect. So let's look at the, uh, the Colts. Bills game first. Let's look at the uh, uh, the injury report. Let's see who's going to be missing this game. Uh, out for the uh, Colts, we got Will Holden. He's out. Uh, DeForest Buckner's probable. Rocky Hassan, he's out. Phillip Rivers is probable. He has a toe injury. TJ Carey is probable. Uh, uh, Carey Willis, or I guess that's how you say it. Carey Willis, safety uh, with a concussion. He's probable. And Jonathan Taylor's questionable. Now, that's huge. Jonathan Taylor being questionable is huge because he's been very good as a rookie. Uh, and then we got a bunch of guys on IR for the Bills. Isaiah McKenzie, Stephon Diggs, and uh, Reggie Gilliam. They're all probable. Cole Beasley's uh, questionable with a leg injury. And Siren Neal is questionable with a head injury. Uh, and then we got a lot of guys. or Not a lot, but we got a few guys on IR. Uh, no one too big. I don't see any huge names on IR. Cody Ford, um, I guess he's a solid name. Let's move on to the stats. All right, so um, matchup stats. Let's look at the Colts' uh, rushing attack versus the Bills' rushing defense. So the Colts, they average three or 4.3 yards per rush. That's 14th in the league. The Bills allow 4.6 yards per rush. That is 26th in the league. So the Bills' rush defense so far doesn't look that great. Um, the Colts rush for 124.8 yards per game. That is 11th. They got a very solid run game. And the Bills, once again, they're below average in this category with 119.6 yards uh, allowed per game. And then uh, the Colts run for 1.2 yards per game, 1.2 touchdowns per game. And the Bills give up 1.3 rushing touchdowns per game. That's 27th. So we could see the Colts have some success running the football, especially if Jonathan Taylor um, is healthy and is available for this game. Now let's look at the Colts passing versus the Bills pass defense. So uh, the Colts, Phillip Rivers is completing 67.21% of his passes. That's really good. That's top 10 at uh, coming in at number 9. Uh, the Bills allow an, an, uh, they allow their opponents to complete 64.4% of their passes. That's 16th. A uh, little bit of average there. Uh, yards per pass, the Colts are throwing for 7.3 yards. Uh, the Bills allow 6.5 yards per pass from their opponents. Uh, both of those stats are ninth uh, in the league. And the Colts throw for 253.3 yards per game. That's 11th. Uh, the Bills allow their opponents to throw for 232.9 yards per game. That's 13th. Um, so, pretty even matchup there. 
Um, the Mills, they have a, a solid pass defense. I don't think it's great, but it's solid. Um, and Phillip Rivers doesn't have a great arm. He's getting up there in age. I think the Colts are going to be able to run the ball, and I think they're going to run the ball a lot to keep the ball out of Josh Allen's hands. Um, but if they are forced to pass, I think that would be a little bit of an issue for the Colts. Now let's look at the Mills' uh, rushing attack versus the Colts' run defense. So, the Bills um, run for 4.2 yards per rush. That's 20th in the league. And the Colts, they allow 3.7 rushing yards per uh, per attempt. That is second. That's awesome. Uh, the, the Bills run for 107.7 yards per game. That's 20th in the league. And the Colts allow their opponents to rush for just 90.5 yard, rushing yards per game. That's second in the league. That's incredible. Uh, I don't think the Bills are going to be able to run the ball in this game. Uh, and they don't necessarily need to because they have Josh Allen. Um, but that would be nice just to kind of take the load off of Allen's shoulders. Um, but I just don't know if they're going to be able to, to run on the Colts' run deep because the Colts have an elite run defense. All right, so the Bills, the passing attack. Um, they they Josh Allen has been playing at an elite level this year, completing 68.79% of his passes. That's awesome. That's top five. Um, the Colts allow opposing quarterbacks to complete 65.66% of their passes. Uh, that's 18th in the league. Not great. The Bills are throwing for 7.8 yards per attempt. That's fourth uh, in the NFL. That's awesome. And the Colts are allowing opponents to, to throw for 6.9 yards per pass. That is 19th. Uh, and the Bills throw for 288.88.8 yards per game. Uh, that's third. Really, really good. And the Colts allow opponents to throw for 241.6 yards per game. That is 20th in the league. Um, wow. Yeah. And, and the Bills don't turn the ball over either. Um, they Their interception rate is 1.85%. That's awesome. Uh, and, and the Colts force opponents to throw, um, throw interceptions on 2.67% of their attempts. That's 8th. That's pretty good. Um, but man... The Bills are going to be able to throw the ball a lot uh, against the Colts in the, in in the, uh, in the wild card round. So um, this doesn't bode well for the Colts. I think the Colts are going to be able to run the ball, um, but I just I don't trust Philip Rivers with the lack of arm strength. And then when you look at what the Bills are going to be able to do offensively, they have one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Josh Allen has been so efficient as a passer this year, um, and he's been playing at. Uh, honestly, he's been playing at an MVP level, but Aaron Rodgers exists, and and I think with the Colts not being the being pretty poor in pass defense, I think the Bills are going to be able to throw the ball all over the field. Then they're going to be able to take some deep shots, and um, if the Colts can't stop Josh Allen and they can't throw the ball and match up with them point for point, I think they're going to struggle in this game. Um, and, and let's just look at points per play. The Colts are, um, they, they score 0.437 points per play. That's ninth. The Bills, uh, allow 0.365 points per play. That's 15th. But the Bills, they score 0.485 points per play. That is second in the National Football League. That is incredible. And the Colts allow 0.365 uh, points per play. That's 14th, a little bit above average. I just think the, the Bills' offense is going to be too much for the Colts. I don't think the Colts are going to be able to match them point for point. Um, and Josh Allen is going to get the best of Phillip Rivers in this matchup. 
All right, let's move on to the Rams and the Seahawks. Uh, the the Rams, this is going to be a tough game for them because, and I'm not even going to look at the stats for this one because um, we don't know if Josh Allen, or Josh Allen, we don't know if um, Jared Goff is going to be playing in this game. And that is huge because, um, like, the, the Rams cannot win this game without Jared Goff. Jared Goff is questionable with a thumb injury. He, he, uh, he's recovering from surgery to repair a dislocated and fractured right thumb. Um, and it is unknown if he will be available for the NFC wildcard game against the Seahawks. So if he's out, that's huge because Cam, a- Cam Akers is probable. Um, there's somebody that's out. Darrell Henderson, he's out. Um, I, I, I like Cam Akers. I think he's talented. I just don't know if the Rams can just rely solely on him uh, to lead this team to a victory. And, you know, looking at what the Seahawks can do offensively, they have a ton of weapons, and they have an elite quarterback. They have Russell Wilson, um, and then he's got some great weapons. He's got DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. Um, like, they have so many weapons over there. Uh, in Seattle, then they got Chris Carson, who who was really, really good um, as a receiving threat and as a running back, just in the run game. Um, they got a ton of weapons. The Rams do have a, a pretty good defense, uh, but if they're not able to move the ball down the field and they're not, if they're not able to score points against the Seahawks, uh, it's going to be a rough game for them. And uh, I do want to look at one stat that I was really shocked to see. So the uh, Seahawks rank fifth in opponent points per play at point three three four. Now, their defense has a reputation of being just flat out awful. Um, but they're only allowing point three three four uh points per play from their opponents. That's really, really efficient. That's just awesome. And I I think that like I said earlier, I just don't know what the Rams are gonna be able to do offensively and if they're gonna be able to uh to stay stay in this game if they're if they're not able to put up points with their backup quarterback and I know uh, their backup quarterback played really really well or I, I he played well enough for them to win against the Cardinals I just this is a different beast you're playing against Russell Wilson the the Seahawks are going to be able to throw the ball a lot and even if they're not able to create explosive plays deep down the field. They can still run the ball with Chris Carson. They can utilize Chris Carson um, as a receiving back, even if they just have to dink and dunk. I think Seahawks are going to be able to win this game. Whether or not Jerry Goff plays, I still am picking the Seahawks. Um, But this game is just, it's going to be nearly impossible to win if Goff is not available. But if he is, let's let's just say that he is available to play. Um, it's, it's still going to be very difficult because Goff has not been playing extremely well this season. He's been okay, uh, but I think he's not been good enough uh, for the Rams to make a lot of noise in the playoffs. Um, and if they are going to make a deep playoff run, if they are going to beat the Seahawks, they have to be able to be effective um, in, in the run game and in their passing attack. They have to be balanced and they have to be effective in both the run game and um, with their passing offense. But their defense has to play well. They can't let Russell Wilson kill them deep. They can't give up explosive plays. They have to limit um, the Seahawks' downfield passing attack. If they can do that, they have a chance. I just don't think that's very likely. Um, And I have Seattle 
Uh, Russell Wilson and, and the Seattle Seahawks moving on. Now, let's go to Tampa Bay at Washington. Let's look at the injury report. So, who's missing from these teams? So, Tampa Bay, uh, Carlton Davis is probable with a groin injury. Uh, Jeremiah Ledbetter, he's out. LaShawn McCoy is probable. Mike Evans is probable. He uh, suffered a, a hyperextended knee against the Falcons, but he is probable. That's huge. They need him. Uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, he's questionable with a knee injury. Then they got a lot of players in the IR like Devin White, Steve McClendon, um, OJ Howard. Um, so, yeah, but if Mike Evans is available, that's huge. The Buccaneers need him to be available for this game. Let's look at the stats. Um, so, let's look at uh, Tampa Bay's uh, rushing attack versus Washington's run defense. Tampa Bay, they average 4.1 yards per rush. That's 25th. Uh, Washington allows 4.2 yards per rush. That's 11th. So, Washington looking like they got a, a really good def- run defense, or a good run defense. Uh, Tampa Bay, they rush for 94.9 yards per game. That is 28th. And Washington allows opponents to rush for 112.8 yards per game. So, Washington's run defense is good. Um, but Tampa Bay's <laughs> rushing offense in, in their run game is really, really bad. One of the worst in the league. Um, so, they're going to be relying on Tom Brady a lot. Uh, let's look at Tampa Bay's passing attack versus Washington's pass defense. So, Tampa Bay throws for 7.4 yards per attempt. That's good. That's 8th. That's top 10. But Washington only allows their opponents to throw for 5.8 yards per attempt. That is second in the entire league. That is elite. And Tampa Bay throws for 289.1 yards per game. That is second. Um, But Washington only allows opponents to throw for 191.8 yards per game. That is second. So that's going to be a fun matchup to watch. Tom Brady versus Washington's defense, or their pass defense, their secondary. Um, and this is going to be a really fun matchup to watch because Washington has a great defense. They got a great front seven. Um, Chase Young, Montez Sweat, they are awesome. They're both incredible edge rushers. So it'll be fun to see them go up against the greatest quarterback of all time in Tom Brady. But Tampa Bay, they got a good offense. And they got a really good passing attack because they have Tom Brady, who I get that he's 40 years old. But he is still an efficient passer, um, and he can get it done. He can make throws deep down the field. He can make throws, um, and he can attack all three levels of the field, uh, even in the later stage of his career. And they have great weapons. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown. That offense is explosive. So it'll be fun to see uh, their passing, the uh, Buccaneers' passing attack go up against Washington's secondary. Now let's look at Washington's offense. So, they run for four, point, uh, for 4 yards per rush. That's 28th. Not very good. And Tampa Bay, they allow opponents to rush for just 3.6 yards uh, per rush. That is first. They Tampa Bay's rush defense is special, and it's the best in the entire league. I mean, they are number one in like all of these categories I'm looking at. And Washington, they run for 100.7 yards uh, per game. That is... Uh, 26 in the NFL, not very good. And Tampa Bay, they they allow opponents to rush for just 80.6 yards per game. That's first. Yeah, Washington is not running the ball. And I I get they got Antonio Brown, but, man, this Tampa Bay run defense is special. 
Then Washington, let's look at their passing offense. They throw for 5.8 yards per attempt. That is 30th in the NFL, not very good. And Tampa Bay allows opponents to throw for 6.4 yards per pass. That's 8th, that's solid, uh, pretty good. And Washington throws for 216.6 yards per game, that's 25th. Tampa Bay allows opponents to throw for 246.6 yards per game. That is 21st. Um, Washington may be able to throw the ball a little bit, uh, but they're not going to be, be able to run the ball whatsoever. And I think they're going to really struggle to run the ball. That's going to put them in some second and long situations. And with Alex Smith as their quarterback, that's not the most ideal situation. Um He's going to have to throw the ball. And for Washington to win this game, they're going to either have to find some way to run the ball or Alex Smith is going to have to play the game of his life. And I don't expect that to happen. This is going to be a rough game for Washington, I think. I could see Tampa Bay blowing them out because the Buccaneers have a way more explosive offense. Their run defense is elite. It's the best in the league. Um, they're going to... They're just they're gonna force Alex Smith to win the game, and if that if that's what happens, uh, um, this weekend, then I just don't see how Washington can even stay in this game. If they're gonna have to match Tampa Bay's offense point for point, uh, kind of like in the Rams Seahawks matchup. So I got Tampa Bay winning this game pretty comfortably, um, but yeah. So sorry, Washington. It was fun to see you, but uh, you're going out in the first round. All right, let's look at Baltimore and Tennessee. How long have I been going for? 37 minutes. All right, let's speed this up a bit. So, this is going to be an interesting matchup. I can't wait for this because uh, last year, Baltimore lost to Tennessee in the wildcard matchup. Um, in their wildcard matchup. So, it'll be interesting to see if Baltimore can flip the script this year, come away with a W, and if Lamar Jackson can win his very first playoff game. Uh, I can't wait to watch this game. My eyes are going to be on Lamar Jackson for this for this matchup. Baltimore, um, they got a lot of guys that are questionable, like Jimmy Smith, Marlon Humphrey, DJ Fluker, Class Campbell, Yannick Ngakwe, uh, Patrick McCurry, and Willie Sneed. So, if everybody's actually going to play, I know all of these guys are questionable, uh, but if all these guys play, the, the Ravens are going to be fine. Now, they really need Jimmy Smith and Marlon Humphrey to play because they have a special pass defense. Like, that is the strength of their defense. They have a really good defense. They're not extremely strong against the run, but they have a very good pass defense because they got a lot of good corners like Jimmy Smith. Marlon Humphrey is awesome. Um, and they got a good front, a good defensive line. So, uh, they need those guys to be healthy. Now, for the Titans... Uh, Jeff Swain, he's probable. Ben Jones, probable. Darren Bates, probable. Uh, Derek Roberts, Robertson, probable. Then they got some guys that are questionable, like Adore Jackson, Dennis Kelly, A.J. Brown, Darrington Evans, Marin, Marrington Evans, sorry, and Roger uh, Saffold III. All those guys are questionable. A.J. Brown needs to play this game. He needs to be available. Now, he's managing a knee injury, uh, but... He needs to play this game because the Titans, um, are they have a good offense. Um, they got a great run game with Derrick Henry. But what makes them dangerous, um, is the fact that they have a very good quarterback in Ryan Tannehill, who is very efficient as a passer. We can throw the ball downfield a little bit. Um, but 
what makes their offense, what makes their passing attack more specifically dangerous is the fact that they have a guy in A.J. Brown who can create separation and who can make plays and get a lot of yards after the catch. So without him, their number one receiver, their number one wide receiver is Corey Davis. That's not the most ideal situation. And yes, they have Johnny Smith, who's very good. But A.J. Brown is their best receiving weapon. He's arguably a top 10 receiver in the NFL. They need him in this game um, if they're going to upset the Baltimore Ravens. Now, let's look at the stats. So, um, Baltimore. let's look at Baltimore's uh, run game. They rush for 5.5 yards per rush. That's first in the NFL. Uh, Tennessee, their oppo- they allow opponents to rush for 4.5 yards per rush. Uh, that's 19th. Not very good. And then Baltimore runs for 191.9 yards per game. That's first. Uh, they have the, the best rushing attack in the entire league. Uh, their run game is awesome and very explosive. Tennessee, they allow opponents to rush for 120.8 yards per game. Um, that's great. My bad, that isn't great. That's actually <laughs> pretty uh, below average. Uh, and Tennessee, okay, so let's move on to Baltimore's passing attack. Uh, Baltimore, they throw for 6.7 yards per pass. That ranks 20th. Um, by the way, Lamar Jackson was one of the more inefficient passers in the league. Um, he was not as good of a pocket passer this year as it was last year when he won MVP. Um, so that's why these numbers are down. And it, they also throw for 171.2 yards per game. That is 32nd, so they rely heavily on their run game. And uh, Tennessee, they allow opponents to throw for 277.4 yards per game. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that Baltimore is going to throw for a lot of yards because, like I mentioned, they do run the ball a ton. Um, but we could see uh, Lamar have a pretty big, a pretty big and uh, effective game as a passer if they do elect to air it out a little bit uh, because they do have Marquise Brown, who isn't great, but he is very athletic. He's explosive. Um, he's extremely fast, and he, like, for certain, he can uh, get open and um, hurt defenses deep down the field, um, and he can be a pretty effective deep threat. Uh, so watch out for that. Now, Tennessee, offensively, they are really, really good, especially uh, their rushing offense is great and second only to Baltimore. Uh, They rush for 5.2 yards per rush, which is second. Uh, Baltimore, they allow 4.6 yards per rush, which is 22nd. Tennessee also rushes for 168.1 yards per game. That is second. Uh, Baltimore allows 108.8 yards per game, rush yards per game. That's that's eighth, or that's eighth in the league. Not bad. Uh, Baltimore or Tennessee, they should be able to run the ball because, uh, like I mentioned earlier, the run defense isn't the strength of Baltimore's defense. Like their strength is their pass defense. Um, but Tennessee, they're also effective passing the ball. Like I mentioned earlier, right? Ryan Tannehill is a very good passer. Tennessee, they throw for 7.5 yards per pass. That's 7th in the NFL. But Baltimore, they only allow opponents to throw for 5.9 yards per pass. That is 4th. That's really good. Um, Tennessee, they throw for 228.3 yards per game. That is 23rd. But Baltimore only allows opponents to to, uh, throw for 221 yards per game. That is 6th in the NFL. That's really good. So, Baltimore, 
they have a great pass defense. Not their run defense isn't very good. It isn't great. Like the, the strength of their defense is obviously uh, their pass defense, and their defense overall is really good. That's why they only allow opponents to uh to score point two nine eight points per play, which is number one. They have the most efficient defense in the NFL. Um, and and I and but Tennessee they have a a great offense. Like their offense is very efficient. They score. Uh, 0.476 points per play so that's amazing um but we look at baltimore's offense is it's efficient as well they score 0.471 points per play so baltimore uh they're they have an explosive offense although their passing attack isn't very electric uh their run game is just so dominant and so explosive that their offense is incredibly efficient without having a great pass game uh tennessee's defense not very good. Uh, struggles against the run and the pass. Uh, so we can see Baltimore have a lot of success offensively. But Baltimore, they got an, an excellent defense. Their defense is, I would say, it's elite. Uh, despite not being incredible against the run, it's special against the pass. And I think that's more valuable. Um, if they can keep Ryan Tannehill in check, and if, and if they can keep... Um, Tennessee from you know creating separation on the outside, and if, he, if if they can stop Tennessee from attacking them deep down the field, I think Baltimore's going to win this game. The Ravens are my pick, um, though I will say Tennessee can still win this game. They have a great head coach in Mike Vrabel, um, who did a great job of preparing for the Ravens last year, preparing for the Ravens' unique offense, um, and Tennessee was ready to play, um, and their offense was really, really good last year. Derrick Henry played extremely well. If Tennessee can control the clock, and if they can uh, keep Lamar Jackson off the field, we could see them get a victory once again. Uh, but I think the more likely scenario is that the Ravens were able to run the ball with a lot of success. Uh, they, they're going to keep Tennessee from being dynamic. Uh, they're going to make them a little bit one-dimensional, and they're going to keep them... Uh, they're going to force them to run the ball a lot, and although that... That makes Tennessee dangerous in a way. I think Tennessee would be more dangerous if they're able to pass the ball with effectiveness uh, combined uh, with being able to run the ball down the, the Ravens' throat. So I'm going with the Ravens, but I'm not super confident in that pick. All right, let's go to Chicago at New Orleans. Um, and, man, I'm going with the New Orleans Saints here uh, just to, to kind of uh, speed things up here. But um, there's a huge... The Saints are missing a huge part of their team. They are not going to have, um, or are they go? I can't remember if they're going to have uh, Alvin Kamara. Let me look. Alvin Kamara is on IR because of COVID, but he did have a tweet that made it sound like he might play. So keep a watch on that. Um, if so, if he is out, this game could get a bit interesting. But we'll see. Uh, they got they got a couple guys probable like Taysom Hill. Uh, Marcus Williams, some guys are questionable. Trey Hendrickson, J.D. Gray, and jo and Josh Hill, they're all questionable. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then Chicago, um, they got a few guys that are questionable, like Josh Woods, uh, Mustard Screen, uh, Darnell Mooney, and Roquan Smith. Roquan Smith, I don't know if he's actually playing this game. He might actually be out because I was listening to a podcast, and they were talking about this matchup. They said Roquan Smith is out. If so, that sucks for them, um, but we'll see. And then uh, Allen Robinson, Jalen Johnson, and Deion Bush are all probable, so that's big for them. 
Um, but yeah, let's see. Let's look at the stat. Let's see what the stats say. So, uh, Chicago, they rush for 0.2 yards uh, per rush. That's 21st. And the Saints allow opponents to rush for 3.9 yards per uh, per rush. That's fourth. Really good. And Chicago rushes for 102.9 yards per game. That's 25th. And uh, the Saints rush for 93.9 yards per game. That is fourth. Uh, this I know the stats are saying that Chicago's run game isn't that great. I I think the stats are lying a bit here because they the Bears do have um, a very good running back in David Montgomery who's been absolutely fantastic this year. He's been a really really good. Um, but I will say the Saints they got a good run defense. They're probably going to limit um, the Bears' effectiveness in the run game a bit. Um, but let's look at Chicago's pass passing offense. Uh, they throw for six point to six yards per uh, per attempt. That is twenty seventh. The Saints allow opponents to throw for six point two yards per attempt. That is sixth. Um, and the Bears they throw for two hundred and twenty eight point four yards per game. Uh, the Saints allow opponents to throw for two hundred and seventeen uh, yards per game. That is fifth. Um, so the Saints defense is just overall absolutely fantastic. Let's look at the Saints run game now. I. Uh, do I want to look at this? I don't know because I don't know if Kamara's playing. So, but here I can I can look at it anyway. The Saints are running for 4.6 yards per rush. That's tenth. That's that's good. Uh, the, in but the Bears they allow opponents to only rush for 4.1 yards per rush. That is ninth in the NFL. That's pretty good. Uh, the Saints they rush for 141.6 yards per game. That is sixth. Uh, and the Bears allow opponents to rush for 113.4 yards. That is fifteenth. That's solid. Uh, but the Saints, their passing game, um, that's strong. They throw for 7.2 yards per pass. That is 10th. The Bears, they allow opponents to throw for 6.8 yards per pass. Um, and, the, and the Saints, they throw for 234.9 yards per game. Um, that is 19th. That is below average. And the Bears allow opponents to throw for 231.6 yards per game. Um, that is 12th. That's solid. That's above average. Um, so I think the Saints are going to win this game on their defense and their run game, especially if Alvin Kamara is able to play. Um, I don't trust Drew Brees all that much because his arm is weak now. Um, he's in the final stage of his career. His arm strength has diminished a little bit. Uh, so I don't trust him as much, especially in the playoffs. Uh, but the, the Bears pass, pass defense isn't great. It's, um, it's okay. Uh, but it's nothing special, so I think uh, Drew Brees can be effective in this game. Um, but I do think that the Saints are going to rely heavily on their run game and their defense overall. I don't trust Mitchell Trubisky whatsoever. Um, he has shown no consistency as a decision-maker throughout his career. Um, he's okay um, at best. He is like, at best, he is um, a top 25 quarterback in the National Football League. But um, let's actually look at his per 35 numbers. Where did he rank? He ranked uh, 21st. So um, he's okay, but he is nothing special whatsoever. And the Saints defense is really, really good. Um, they're dominant. One of the best defenses in the NFL on both sides of the ball. Or on, in, in, against both uh, the run and the pass. So I think the Chicago is going to struggle offensively. And I don't think those de their defense is good enough to keep them in this game. I have the Saints winning uh, this game, and 
But it'll be interesting to see if, hey, maybe Mitchell Trubisky t- can win his first playoff game. Now, uh, the last game I'm going to talk about, the Browns versus the Steelers. Uh, this game sucks because, um, you know, the Browns are missing a lot. they got a lot of guys missing this game due to COVID. Uh, and Kevin Stefanski, their head coach, will not be available for this game. So he's not going to be uh, calling the game. That swings this game in Pittsburgh's favor. Um, and because of that, I think Pittsburgh's going to win this game. Also, uh, the Steelers and the Browns played already this season at full strength, and the Steelers won by 31 points. Now, I get it. The Steelers are not the best team, um, and that's mainly because they uh, don't they don't have a super strong offense. Their run game sucks. Uh, their pass their passing attack is not very good at all. Um, but they have an elite defense, and you'll see that in a minute. So Cleveland. They rushed for 4.8 yards per uh, per rush. That is fifth in the NFL. Uh, Steel, the Steelers allow opponents to rush for 4.3 yards per rush. That is 13th. That's solid. Um, and Cleveland rushes for 148.4 yards per game. That is third. The Steelers allow opponents to rush for 111.4 yards uh, per game. That is uh, 11th in the NFL. Solid. Pretty good. Uh, but Cleveland, they throw for 7.1 yards per pass. That is 13th. Uh, the Steelers allow, allow opponents to only throw for 5.9 yards per pass. That is third. That is very good. Um, and Cleveland throws for 221.2 yards per game. That's 24th. 109. Point, and, uh, sorry, the Steelers allow opponents to throw for 194.4 yards per game. Now, Cleveland's passing offense doesn't look extremely impressive on paper. But they have a very balanced offense. They have an elite run um, rushing attack. And uh, when you combine their run offense with their passing offense, they have a very effective offense overall. Um, they can throw the ball out of play action. Um, Baker Mayfield, is a, 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 he is a good quarterback, um, and he can be effective. But the Steelers have a very good defense uh, against both the um, the run and the pass. Their passing defense is elite. Um, their run defense isn't great, but it's it's good. It's good. Now let's look at Pittsburgh's just awful offense. So they rush for three point six yards per rush. That is awful. That's thirty uh, second in the NFL. That is terrible. That sucks. And Cleveland, they allow opponents to rush for 4.3 yards per rush. That's 12th. Very solid. Um, and Pittsburgh, they rush for 84.4 yards per game. That is 32nd. That is terrible. Uh, and Cleveland, around, uh, they allow opponents to rush for 110.8 yards per game. That is 9th. So Cleveland has a pretty solid uh, run defense. But Pittsburgh, the Steelers, they throw for 6.1 yards per pass. 25th in the NFL. Cleveland allows opponents to throw for 6.8 yards per pass. That is 16th. That is a round average. Um, and uh, the Steelers, they throw for 250.2 yards per game. That is 15th in the NFL, a round average. Uh, and Cleveland ar- ar- allows opponents to throw for 247.6 yards uh, per game. So uh, that's 22nd. And I want to see what's Cleveland. I want to see what the Steelers. Okay, so the Steelers allow opponents to score point three one three points per play. That is third. That's awesome. Their de- their defense is just elite. Um, and Cleveland offensively, they score point three nine nine points per play. That's thirteenth. That's not as good as I would have expected. 
Um, in their defense, they allow point four. They allow they allow opponents to score point four oh five points per play. That is twenty first. Not great. Uh, Cleveland is in a rough position because, like I mentioned, they don't. They got a lot of guys missing this game due to COVID, and they're without their head coach. And the Steelers, um, they're gonna have Big Ben back. He sat out last week's game. Um, they're gonna have him. Um, and they still they have a great defense. If Cleveland was at full strength, I th- I think they could win this game. But since they are without their head coach and they're without some players, um, I just don't see them winning this game because Steel- the Steelers are not a great team, but they have an elite defense, and that's going to carry them in this game. If they can stop the run, if they can limit uh, the Browns' effectiveness, and if they can limit the effectiveness of the Browns' dynamic offense, then they're going to be able to win this game because uh, they, they can just win this game on the back of their defense. Big Ben doesn't suck. He's not great, but he's fine. Um, he's reliable enough to get them through this game. Um, if they can just keep the Browns from scoring, they can win this game. Um, I'm picking the Steelers, um, but if Cleveland, if Cleveland was full strength in this game, I wouldn't be very confident in that pick, but I got the Steelers winning. And for all my picks, let's just go through a rundown. I got the Bills, the uh, Seahawks, the Buccaneers, the the Ravens, the Saints, and the Steelers winning this weekend. Those picks will inevitably inevitably be wrong, uh, but yeah, that's what I see happening this weekend. Let me know what y'all think. At me on Twitter at the Ryan McCrary. Um, I hope y'all enjoyed this episode. That's all I have for today. I hope y'all enjoyed that, and I will see y'all next time. Yeah.